0: pray. Father, indeed, we are humbled this evening to be in your presence, to worship at your feet, to praise you, to exalt your name, the name that is above every name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Spirit. Enter, Lord, as you have in the service already. We thank you for it. Enter our hearts, our minds, our spirit, and uh, help us to worship you tonight. Help us to hear your word in ways, Lord, that will help us to draw close to you. We pray for the needs of, of our campus community tonight. We pray that you would minister to every heart, every one, those that are sick. Think of Dr. Powers tonight. We pray that you would touch him, rid his body of this viral infection. May he sense your warmth and your presence and there are others that we're not aware of, but you do. We pray for healing, both of mind and spirit and body. And we give you the praise tonight. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart Be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. If you would, would you turn with me tonight to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32, for time tonight. And I'd like to read just the first five verses. However, I invite you to keep the chapter open, keep the Bible open to that chapter, and we'll work our way through a little bit through it. And when you have found it, say, Amen. And <laughs> hey, That was a little weak, a little weak, amen. Um, I, I usually say, in times like this, the quieter you are, well, no, I better not say that, because you have to go to class. But I usually say, the quieter you are, the longer I go. Uh, But uh, that may not work here tonight. Amen. You have to go to class. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak, hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew. Like showers on new grass like abundant rain on tender plants I will proclaim the name of the Lord all oh, praise the greatness of our God he is the rock his works are perfect and all his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong upright and just is he They have acted corruptly toward him, to their shame they are no longer his children, but a warped and crooked generation. That's all we'll read tonight, yet we will cite some other verses later on. This is known as the Song of Moses. Almost this is Moses' last hurrah before he would eventually go to be with the Lord. In a sense, he, it's known as an ode, a, a poem of 43 verses. It is both historical and prophetic. He, uh, it is important what he is going to say, very important. In fact, he summons heaven and earth, though he's not speaking to heaven. Neither is he speaking to the whole earth. He's speaking particularly, specifically, to the nation of Israel. But he wants witnesses, and he could go to no further witness than heaven, and then the whole universe, the whole earth. And then to highlight the importance of what he says, he he points out that... uh, What he's about to say is so important that he desired that the words would trickle down like rain and dew upon grass and herb. And the point of comparison lies in the refreshing, fertilizing, enlivening power of dew and rain over plants. Speaking to people that would eventually live in Palestine, somewhat of a dry, arid place. Refreshing water and rain is always welcome. And so the kind of receptivity he's, he, he anticipates that the plants will have and the, and the herbs will have and the grass will have, he's seeking the same kind of receptivity for what he has to say. And may I say tonight that I'd like to believe that I'd get the same kind of receptivity tonight that it will be rain and showers and dew, refreshment, enlivening, fertilizing, energizing, invigorating sense of God touching us tonight. So we can hear what this song, at least some aspects of this song has to say to us tonight. This is a powerful song, as we said it, bore, it carries both history and prophecy. History, it looks back at what God's, how God has dealt with the people right up to the time of Moses, as well as cast a prophetic shadow over the entire history of Israel, of the nation, even up to our time. I believe it includes the times in which we live. That's how powerful and important a song This message is entitled tonight, A Heart of Fire. A heart of fire. And there are three qualities of such a heart that I'd like just to lift from this song to share with us tonight. And the first is that a heart of fire is a heart of praise. And we've been doing a little bit of this tonight, a little bit of praise and adoration. Notice in verse 3 of our text, Moses says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. or praise the greatness of our God. This is intentional praise to God. It is not petition. He's not calling on God for anything. He's not crying out to God for help. This is not the moment for for this in the song, in the opening refrains of the song. He recognizes the glory and the majesty of who God is. And it is not only Moses who is praising God. In fact, he says in verse uh, 3, all praise the greatness of Our God, he is calling all of humanity, all of the nation of Israel assembled before him to lift their voices in an echo and a crescendo of praise to God. When was the last time you really were in a shouting mood before God and praising him to the top of your lungs and giving him glory and honor and majesty that is due to his name? See, I believe a heart that is of fire, is a heart that is filled with glory for God. You see, glory is is the climax of grace. Or may I say grace is glory begone, and glory is grace fulfilled. And so grace will join in the end with glory. But now we can expect, we can experience a foretaste of glory. Because we have experienced grace, and we can begin to praise God. Hallelujah. Well, in this, uh, in this song of Moses, this ode of Moses, first of all, we proclaim the name of the Lord. We praise His greatness for who He is tonight. For who He is. Notice verse 4. He is The rock, do you see that? It's a rock, stability, impregnability, unchangeable, solid. When you think of a rock, think of something solid, stable, firm, rooted, unchangeable. He is the rock. That's a picture, metaphor that's used often in the Psalms throughout the Old Testament to describe God, rock. No wonder we sing, The rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. We praise him for who he is, the rock. This is particularly contrasting the shiftiness or the, the instability of the nation of Israel through the journey in the wilderness, how they were unstable and changing and, and faltering and, and, and stumbling and failing, persistently lacking in terms of their obedience to God, Moses says, we praise God because he is the rock. He will later contrast that it down in this song with the false gods that were no rocks at all. For they were getting new gods. Gods their fathers knew nothing about. Changeable they were. But we praise God tonight and we join with this song tonight because he's the rock. Notice in verse 4 also, he works, his works are perfect. That's who he is. He's perfect. In verse 4, his ways are just. He does no wrong, unlike the children of Israel. He also, in verse 6, is the creator. He's a father to us. That's who he is. The designer, the creator, the molder, The shaper the one who is responsible for who we are and so we praise him so if you do not like who you are blame him but we praise him because his creator father father is a term of endearment a a term of affection and love and caring and protecting providing so we praise him tonight for who he is But Moses goes on to say, we praise him tonight, not only for who he is, but for what he has done. Uh, Notice he had already told him in chapter 5 of the same book, verse 24, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. So we praise Him tonight. Praise Him for who He is and for what He has done. This is not calling on God. This is not petitioning for anything. It is proclaiming the glory and His majesty. It is not the, it is not the privilege of just one man, as we see there in verse 3, but it is the devotion of all who will praise Him and love Him. A heart of praise. Notice uh, also, we praise him for what he's done. He chose Israel as his inheritance. Verse nine. And it goes back to the early days. He, in verses seven, eight, he, he, Moses writes, when God was scattering humanity, this would have to go back to the Tower of Babel, of course, and Genesis chapter 10, the uh, list of nations, the catalog of nations we find listed there in chapter 10. The folks were scattered all over the world that's where humanity settled in different parts of the world and and my folks for some reason ended up in Dominica and some folks in Africa Korea and that was their inheritance that was their place that was their portion that's that that, that was the corner of the globe they inherited but then in verse 9 God said my inheritance. is you, Jacob, Israel. Jacob is my portion. You see, we praise him for what he has done. He has chosen Israel for his inheritance, for his portion. Not some piece of land or some territory, but a people. A people who will honor him and love him. He has chosen them as his treasured possession. A holy nation. A royal priesthood. In fact, Peter echoes that in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You are a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people chosen by God, his very own, who has delivered you out of darkness and has brought you into his marvelous light so you may bring forth his praises. That's God's portion. And what is true of Israel as a nation is true of the new Israel, the church. We belong to him. He has chosen us. He has not only chosen us, but He guards and protects us. Notice verse 10. We are praising Him tonight for what He has done. He says He guards them. There in verse 10. In, 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 verse 10. He, in a desert land He found Him in, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded Him and cared for Him. He guarded Him as the apple of his eye he guarded watched over this nation delivered them out of egypt brought them through the perils of the wilderness defeated the enemies before them and watched them as the apple of his eye so we praise him for that but there is something else in verse uh, 11 and i was i was just Taken up by this, verse 11, has just touched my soul. He says, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. We praise him because he stimulated and awakened their dormant potential. He stirred the nest. He moved them out of their security. And their comfort and, and he taught them to fly so they become more more independent more developed more formed into his glorious uh, image and likeness for them and the picture here is, a, is an eagle that 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 pushes out the the eaglets, the little eagles, out of their nest, and they're tumbling and falling. And then the eagle comes down and swoops underneath and catches them on his big, broad wings. And the bone that that forms, this connecting bone, is called the pinion. I had to look that up. The pinion. And it rests on it, and he takes them back to the nest. And he flings them out again and gets them out of the nest. But in the process of doing this, they learn to fly and so they can soar with him. So he stirs them out. And Moses is saying, we praise God for what he's done. It is the God who gets us out of our comfort zone, who stirs the nest and pushes us and challenges us so that we can develop the potential for what we have been created. And you're here tonight because God, somewhere along the line, pushed you out of that nest. He got you out of your church. Wherever it was, in your comfort zone, and, and, and he's go, he's working with you so that you will reach the kind of potential that you never would have reached otherwise. He's stimulating and awaking the possibilities that lies within you. And sometimes you're thinking, "Man, I'm just tumbling here in Colorado Springs," but God is scooping, and is helping you to develop and to. Get ready for what he has for you. So we ought to praise him for that, even for the tough times. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm getting a little amen here. I wish I had a praising church this evening. God nourished. God nourished them. You see, there are energies and possibilities that lie slumbering within each one of us that God desires to stir up the nest so we can develop. Of full potential. God, Moses says, proclaim the name of the Lord, praise him, because God has nourished his people. Not only has he chosen them as his inheritance, or guarded them as the apple of his eye, or stimulated and awakened their dormant potential, but God nourishes his people. Verses 13 through 15 tells us. A little bit and I'll go quickly through those they have fruits or fruit from the field honey from the rock and oil from the flint crags now I I thought about this too honey from the rock and oil from the rock from the from the flint crags or stony places now these are difficult to get isn't it oil from rocks and honey and when bees make their the, 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 the hives, and, and, the, and, and, and they, they do them way up in the, in the rocks, not close to where folks live. Uh, as a young boy, I have fond memories of my brother and cousins going after a beehive way up. In, they had to have ladders to climb where this bee has formed its hive and to get that rock. My f- bad memory of that is that they didn't want me to come with them. I was too young and even got a little whooping for insisting that I wanted to go but those kind of things you put that in the back of your mind <laughs> honey in the rock you remember that old song oh there's honey in the rock my brother that's an old one I haven't sung that some 30 years but only God can provide that kind of difficult Substance, oil from flintstones and honey in rocks that are way up there. Only God can do this. He nourishes the soul, even in the hard places of life. And we praise him for that. Curds from the herds and milk from the goats. uh, You're saying milk from goats? Well, some of us have had to drink goat milk. It's not bad after you acquire the taste. <laughs> Meat from the, from the fatted rams of Bashan. The picture here is plenty. It's a theology of plenty. It's the abundance of God providing the finest grain of wheat and the foaming blood of the grapes. And I like that one for a Nazarene audience. The foaming redness of grapes. And he's not talking of grape juice. I'll let your imagination go wild. God has been good to us. We have reason to praise him tonight, he who is, and who is for us. And, and we praise him for what he has done. He cares for us. He goes beyond just the physical and the material. He takes care of all of our needs tonight. The psalmist David understood that so well when he penned these immortal words from the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, yes, he takes care of a physical needs. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He takes care of our spiritual needs. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Oh, he takes care of our psychological needs. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, runneth over. He takes care of our emotional needs. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He takes care of our eternal needs tonight. He takes care of all of our needs. You see, a heart of fire is a heart of praise. The most important need we have tonight is the spiritual, and in just a couple of weeks we will celebrate the triumphant resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the triumph of God and of His Christ for the salvation of all of humanity. Oh, my friends tonight, not only does a heart of praise, or a heart of fire is a heart of praise, but it is also a heart of passion. And, and as, I, as I read the rest of this song from verses 16 through 42, and, and I do not have time tonight to, to unpack all of this for you, but let me just summarize it in just a few words for us tonight. There is a sense of the Passion of God that is embedded in these verses of the song against the perversity and against the idolatry and against the sin of a people uh, that he had so wonderfully loved and cared for and nurtured and he was so faithful to them. And yet they have turned their backs on him and there seems to be a sense of, of jealousy and passion and rage and wrath after all of those. And Moses seems to indicate in that song that if only the children of Israel would have the same kind of passion that God has exuded against sin, if they would have that kind of passion in their hearts towards God, what a difference it would make for the rest of their history. And so a heart of fire is a heart of of passion. You see, it takes fire to fight fire. It takes passion to fight another passion tonight. And so you and I, in in this verses, let me just share just a few of them with you. There is fire in the eyes of God in this in the song of Moses. God does not sit quietly by as the nation passes from affluence and influence to apostasy and paralysis. They have persistently rejected God, have adopted other gods, and have angered God to the point where God has rejected them. And as you read verse 21 and 22 in in this passage here tonight, let let me just share a little bit of this which borders or brings us to the prophetic. They made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding and if you turn to Romans chapter 10 and verse 19 Paul picks this up from the song of Moses and and Paul says in verse 19 of chapter 10 of Romans again I ask: did Israel not understand first Moses says I will make you envious by those who are not a nation I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding God, in a sense, has rejected Israel and he has brought in the Gentiles. And this is where we are today. It is the Gentile age right now towards God. And in so doing, because God now has turned to the Gentiles and rejected the nation of Israel, he will make them jealous, make them envious, and in turn they will turn back to God. Moses saw that hundreds of years before it happened this song depicts the history all of the history of the nation of israel the fierce judgment of god upon them depicted throughout the history but verse 22 is is one of those earth-shaking verses of the song which will, will 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 bring us even to the end of the ages to the consummation of all things for a fire has been kindled at my wrath, one that burns to the realm of death below. It will devour the very earth and its harvest and set afire the very foundations of mountains. Do you see passion in his eyes, fire in his soul, in his eyes against the sin? And yet, it is that kind of passion and fire you and I must have, but it is redirected towards loving him and answering his call of our lives. Let me move on quickly. There is um, the beautiful story told by Os Guinness in his book, "The Call," of a 17th-century philosopher, physicist. A genius a mathematical genius it is namely Blaise Pascal and in his little book Os Guinness says of Blaise Pascal that he describes his work as a man with passion for God mathematical genius inventor grandfather of the computer and modern risk theory renaissance thinker well-versed in physics, philosophy, and theology, as well as as mathematics. Among the most elegant prose stylists in the French language, Pascal, is one of the supreme human thinkers of all time and an author of a great masterpiece of Western literature called the Pensies, which in French interprets thinker or thought. But Oskinez goes on to say that almost... No one in Pascal's day, and still too few in ours, knows of the experience that kept those achievements in perspective and lay at the core of his belief. His intense pain filled life. His flame burst of life. He says on the evening of Monday, the November 23rd, 1654, he was 31 years old and had just experienced a close brush with death, in a carriage driving accident. That night he had a profound encounter with God, and Pascal's experience lasted from about 10 30 at night till 12 30 in the morning. It is often called his second conversion, to distinguish it from his first, more formal conversion that took place at Rouen when he was 24. What he went through strained and finally shattered the capacities of his language. He could only title it in one word, fire. But the experience was so precious and so, and, and so decisive to him that he sewed the parchment record of it into the lining of his coat and wore it next to his heart. For the remaining eight years of his life he took the trouble to sew it every time he bought a new coat and it was only found by his sister who felt the odd bump that it formed after his death in 1662 at the age of 39 here is the opening half of this memorial of his memorial here's how it reads titled fire god of abraham God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certainty, certainty, heartfelt, joy, peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God, your God, the world forgotten, and everything except God. He can only be found by the ways taught in the gospels. Greatness of human soul, O righteous Father, the world had not known thee, but I have known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. You see, most of us cannot begin to understand Pascal's mathematical accomplishments, and we would not wish to experience the pain and the suffering of his short life. But what lit and fanned into a blaze the deep potential of his character and his gifts is something open to us all, the call of God upon our lives. The call came to Pascal so deeply that he became a man consumed by a divine fire that touched his life and his work. As such, Pascal illustrates for us a further aspect of the wonder of God's calling. It is the key to igniting the passion For the deepest growth and heroism in our lives what a man of passion we can say the same thing about Moses uh, the burning bush experience consumed and burned by this by this fire of God yet not totally consumed hallelujah so a heart that is filled with praise a heart that is filled with passion and then finally a heart that is purified. A heart of fire is a heart that is purified. And you'll find that in the final verse of this song, verse 43, of this beautiful, beautiful song. Rejoice, O nations. Rejoice, O nations, with his people. Moses is calling the Gentile nations to rejoice with Israel because God again will turn back to them for he will avenge the blood of his servants he will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for the land and for his people he will expiate the land he will atone for it he will sanctify it. he will cleanse it he will make it pure again and again and again so a heart of fire is not only a heart of praise and a heart of passion but it is a heart that is purified a heart that has experienced the atoning work and the expiating work of the Lord himself oh that God would give us such a heart tonight you can have all three you see to have the first two becomes trite to praise God without a clean heart and a pure heart without a, a, a heart that loves him is empty to have passion without a cleansed heart is dangerous it will be uncontrolled it may border on fanaticism and legalism but to have a pure heart that will enable you to praise God and proclaim the majesty and the glory and the the power of God and to have a passion that is directed towards him is what Moses was trying to let the children Israel no. he is passionate against sin but jealous for you you can return the favor with a burning heart by allowing him to purify your heart so it becomes his altar hallelujah a heart of fire is a heart of praise it's a heart of passion and it is a purified heart let's pray father we thank you and we give you our this moment. Do with us what you want. Do with us what you want tonight. Some have grown cold and they need stirring up. God help us to see you tonight and we praise you tonight in Jesus name. You may wish to respond tonight if God has so moved your heart you know, ask our chaplain brother if I'd like to come. If you need stirring, if you need purifying, if you've lost the passion for Him, let Him do something special.